On the web one afternoon Found a site that made me swoon It had something for each Harry, Dick and Tom You can find it in my cache Or http colon slash slash and you'll find quite a lot of wax on that their website Quite a lot of wax to view Some people say it wanes But we shall eat their brains And kick them in the crotches too For everyone should love this wondrous website Everyone who wants to live If you don't read all the works You're a bunch of stupid jerks And I'll meet you in the shower with my shift Wax should be Hello and welcome to Cast and Wax. My name is Jordan D. White, and I am the host of this here podcast. We have a very exciting show for you today with a couple of serials and a couple of new things and a couple of, you know, uh, crazinesses. Okay, I, I guess I have a lot of ideas, right? No. Uh, for those of you who wrote in about last week's episode, I don't know. I'm not really sure what you're talking about. I didn't really notice anything strange about it myself. Uh, it seemed like we, we all said the right things about everything, so I know don't see why you would feel as though anything we said was wrong. So clearly what we said was what we said, and that is all there is to it. So let me get to everybody on the show. Right here next to me is my lovely little cat, Mr. Scape White. Hello, everybody. My name is Scarborough. I see some. And this is the podcast where you get to listen to me and with some other people, but especially me, and I will do a scary story for you. So that's very exciting for everybody, not just for, you, for me, but also for you. So, that's good. Well, good. I'm I'm glad that's good. Yes. Right, right, it is. Um, Scape, do you want to tell them a little bit about yourself? Or, I mean, I don't think anybody necessarily knows you. You're right? I mean, there's probably regular listeners, but there might be new listeners, so you should talk about yourself. Oh, okay. Uh, I am a cat. I am gray. I am a boy. Duh. Um, I like moist food, and I like brushing, and I like, I like dry food, I guess. But it's just kind of there. Another model. Well, what, and what do you what do you like to do? I like to sing a special, and I like to tell scary stories because I'm good at it, you know. And uh, I also like to be the host of this podcast. Well, you're not the host of the podcast. Well, but but I but I was, and I liked it. It was a disaster, but that's fine. Let's move on. Um, we we have a couple other hosts here. We have Mr. Rory Sinjin. Rory? Hello, everyone. My name is Rory Sinjin, and thank you for listening to the podcast. I am an extra historian, as you know. Uh, I'm in the process of a fundraising operation. Now, let me let me explain for one moment. Extra history is a field of study where we study things that happen in alternate realities. It's It sounds, in some ways, a little academic and impractical, but let me assure you, it is both practical and non-academic at times, if you understand what I mean. It is a study of other alternate realities, but it is very applicable to your life and and your experience, as, as you will see later when I do an example of extra history. So um, I'm in the process, as I said, of a large fundraising endeavor um, in order to, to raise money for the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies. Now, it, th- this institute does not exist yet, and that's why I'm trying to raise money, so that I can found it. You know, uh, and Now, I do, of course, have a lot of money of my own, but you know, it seems like it would be a bit of a waste to use my own money on, on the institute when I could try to raise funds through other means, you know, donate from people who support extra history or by selling things that, you know, are not really worth as much as I'm selling them for, you know, things like that. So please, if you'd like to make some monetary contribution or would like to purchase an extra historical reading, 
part of which profits will go to the, the foundation of the Queen's Institute for Extra Historical Studies, please get in touch with me at the email for the for the website for this uh, podcast, I should say, castinwax at gmail.com. Please, please get in touch with me. I do appreciate it. You're really going for the hard sell there. Well, it's, it's very important, I think, that the Extra Historical Studies is represented in the academic world, and the Queen's Institute will be exactly that for it. Now, uh, my question is, because I, I gave you the podcast time to say that, do I count as a donor, and will I get a building named after me, and more importantly, can I put something in my taxes that says I pay less taxes? Uh, well, no, not at all. Okay, well, that sucks. Uh, final co-host, of course, being Mr. Frank Allen. He spoke for a moment there. Yeah, I did because because it's gibber. I mean, it, again, this guy is is crazy. Uh, but let me let me let me go on to myself because I I I, I myself I think am more important than him. My name's Frank Allen. I'm a host. I I host lots of things. I host debate shows. I host interviews. I I host uh, political rallies. Or, you know, anything that you need me to host, I can host. So you can get in touch with me at castingwaxgmail.com. But this is a really exciting week for me uh, because I got a very expensive new portable computer. Well, that's not strictly true. No, it is. I, I, I'm very excited by this. I, I haven't had a computer nearly this good before. Right. That is true. You have not. Right. But many of the things you just said are false. Very expensive? No. It was $50. Yes, it was. And I'm saying that's not very expensive for a computer. New, not true. New to me, though. Well, yes, new to you, but very old and lousy looking. And portable, not as much as you might think. Well, I brought it here. Right, you did, yes. No, all of the things you're saying are, in a sense, true, but to the practical people of the world, that's not really true. You, You did... Bring it here, and therefore it is portable. It took about 45 minutes to set up, and you had to take a few trips from your car. It's not... I don't think it's meant to be portable. They have these things called laptops now. Well, no, it would not be efficient to put this computer on my lap. I would have to balance the monitor on top of the the desktop portion, and it wouldn't really be convenient. I agree. This is true. That's why I'm saying it's not a portable computer. A portable computer... I mean, Rory, do you you have a laptop? I think you have a laptop, don't you? Oh, yes, of course. Uh, No, it's, it's about this big, maybe big and this thick and then you open it up and see, and then it's even thinner you see the two parts open. no that's not that's not possible there couldn't be a computer that small well, well there is you know it's seriously and, and it has a it has a dvd rom drive burner in the side you know so that you can slip the dvds in and out okay I, dvds in a computer yes yeah no most computers have that nowadays that's what i'm saying this is an old this is an old computer no i no guys come on you're pulling my leg a computer that's this thin wouldn't it wouldn't work. Where would I mean? Even if there was, where's the monitor? No, the monitor is part of it. You see, like it, it opens almost like a book, but you know, a book you turn sideways. Okay, come on. No, he's not messing with you. He's really not messing with you. Um, it's it's really true. All right. Well, tell you what. Maybe I'll turn on my old computer here and look it up on the internet. Well, uh, I, oh, I you could I guess you could do that. Yeah, I I will. Okay. Um. Mm, that's a little noisy. Well, it's a computer. It's got, it's got all sorts of processing power. You expect it to to run silent. Well, it doesn't have that much processing power. It has it has a lot more than the human brain. No, that's not. That's absolutely not true. I'm sorry, that's not true. The human brain can process m- much more. Well, yeah, but this does it faster. No, Frank. Well, okay. Look, I'm just gonna continue. I'm gonna get this set up, and I'll go on the internet, and I'm gonna look this up. Okay. Um, anyway, moving on, uh, let's get to the next part of the show, which, uh, speaking of which, Roy Sinjin, it's the, uh, the Extra History Now part of the show. 
That's very nice of you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I would say that extra history is always true, but, you know, at least you're saying it's true in... I made that word up. No, I, 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 I knew that. I was aware. Uh, anyway, yes, uh, Jordan, I, I believe we did get an extra historical problem that someone wants me to, to look into, correct? Yes, yes, we did. Uh, very much so, very much so. Uh, Frank, do you want to read this for us? I can, uh, you know, I, like I, I'm getting my computer set up. I can go on the internet and I can open the email and I can read it. It's still, well, it looks like your windows are still opening. So, uh, I mean, how long is that going to take? Well, I, it's just going to be a few minutes. Well, I don't have time for that, but okay, I'll, 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 that's fine. I'll read the letter. Dear Rory, I was very pleased to hear about your free extra historical readings on Extra History Now, as I am in desperate need of your help and or guidance. There is a boy that I like. He is in my math class that I have a second period every day with Mr. Wallachuk. I really hate math, but being near this boy makes me look forward to the class more than I ever thought possible. The problem, of course, being he has a girlfriend. How do I get that skanky, skanky bitch away from this boy so that I can make him mine and love him forever? Thank you very much, Cindy Jim. Well, Cindy, that's that's a very interesting question, and, and of course, I appreciate your problem. Now, as I always like to point out, extra history is not about uh, giving advice. It's about examining the way that things could be in another world. So hopefully you'll find this helpful, although I'm not necessarily going to be able to say, here's how you, you get rid of the skanky bit. But perhaps it will interest you to know that there is another world. A world in which this boy, for the purposes of our reading, will call him George, because in another world his name is George. And George was in Mr. Wallachuk's math class every day, learning about angles and diameters and how to do geometrical mathematics. And every day you, Cindy, are looking at him, gazing at him longingly. But one day you notice that he's not taking notes on geometry. He's taking notes on the black art of necromancy. You look around going, how can this be possible? Uh, Mr. Wallachuk is not speaking about necromancy. He's speaking about geometry. I, I, I would swear such. But then all of a sudden, your ears hear the truth. He does seem to be speaking about geometry, but that's an evil warlock spell that he's cast to make it sound like geometry to those who want to hear geometry. In fact, he is teaching the blackest of black arts to the most evil children on the face of the planet, and George is one of them. After class, you follow George to his locker where he's meeting up with his girlfriend, but you grab his arm and say, I don't understand. What was all that? Were you learning the black arts from Mr. Wallachuk? I thought we were learning geometry. And his girlfriend, whose name in that world is Martha, gives you the most evil of evil looks and says, you've seen through the veil. Now you must die. Martha grabs you by both arms, opens her mouth wider than you could possibly have imagined she could have done, as though she were some sort of snake creature detaching her jaw and her mouth becomes so wide, she actually picks you up and throws you down her throat into her gullet. And it's only in the last second before you go into that mouth that you realize she was not really a girl named Martha. She was Satan. And George's true love was the love of evil. As you fall down the devil's throat, which seems to be miles and miles long, you scream, terror running through every part of your body before you land splashing in a pool of disgusting acid that burns your flesh and makes you die in horrible pain. And when you awaken next, you are in hell where there is even more terrible pain. And Martha is there with George laughing as you cry and whimper with terrible agony. George says, I can't believe you thought you loved me, and laughs as he spits in your face. But the spit is even more acid, and it burns a hole right through your brain, and it hurts you. It hurts you very much, and you cry more. So that's another world, which is not as... I mean, it is worse, really, than this world. Um, so, as you can see, you know, just because George is going out with Martha, if that is their name in this world... Like I said, it definitely is their names now. But doesn't mean it's the end of the world. You, you're not going to burn in hell for that. Um, so, you know, 
That's fine. Thank you. Right. Um, and if you'd like to have one of your problems examined by Rory, please write into us at castandwax at gmail.com. Yes, please do. And, and of course, uh, uh, Cindy, if you want to send us any sort of donation to show your appreciation for that reading, it will go to the Queen's Institute mostly. So please, please do send in some money. Extra history is so true Frank, how's it going on that computer? Uh, very well, actually. I'm about to uh, to go online, so so I will I will very soon ha- know about this this laptop thing. Good, good, good. Um, all right. So coming up next, we have our first radio serial of the episode. This will be an episode of Guard Duty, which uh, Frank, what's going on there? I'm, I'm going on the internet. I said I was right. Yes, that's a little annoying. Well, that, how, 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 that's how you get on the internet. Come on. Dial-up. Right. Okay. Uh, it's done? Yeah. All right. Uh, so, guard duty, like I said, is up first. Hopefully everybody will dig it. This is, uh, we're, we're, in, we're in the last season of all of our shows now, so this guard duty stuff is really coming to a boil. Hopefully you guys were all going to enjoy it. The Earth Guard, the planet's most powerful heroes united in the common goal of protecting the innocent people of planet Earth and defending them from threats of all kinds. From the Guard Tower, their base of operations... They watch over the citizens and spring into action at any sign of danger. To that end, the Guard takes shifts monitoring events all over the globe. Sooner or later, they all have to take a shift of Guard Duty. This week... Binary Girl and Dr. Fast in Ones and Zeros. city and a brilliant people's rising from this abyss and in their struggles to be truly free and in their triumphs and defeats through long years to come i see the evil of this time and of the previous time of which this is the natural birth gradually making expiation for itself and wearing out i see the lives for which i lay down my life you do peaceful, know you're not being useful, executed right prosperous and happy in that england which i shall see no more I see her with a child upon her bosom, who bears my name. I see her father, aged and this is bent, getting really otherwise annoying. restored, and faithful to all men in his healing office and at peace. I see the good old man, so long their friend, in ten years' time enriching them with all he has, and passing tranquilly to his reward. And I see okay, that okay, I hold a sanctuary. Congratulations. No, not a book. All books. Can you do Laurel K. Hamilton? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All books worth reading. Works of literature. So, in other words, only snooty literary books. Which is why you're doing Dickens? It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have. Or Shakespeare? Friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your... How about Stephen King? 
You did hear me say literature, did you not? Can you do Melville? I'd prefer not to. Of Mice and Men? Really, I can do any of them. But yes, of course, Steinbeck was a master. Okay then, look across the river, Lenny, and I'll tell you so you can almost see it. Hey, you're right. You did know your part. Impressive. Is everything all right? Is the illusionist in his cell? I'm sorry I'm late. I got caught up in my research. Late? It's been about five minutes since we finished fighting the guy. I know, and I'm usually more responsible than that. I can be in two places in once and move at superliminal speeds. There's no excuse for me to be late for anything. What? Did you... Did you just say you can be in two places at once? Of course. As we speak, I'm racing faster than the eye can see or mind can perceive between here and my lab, where Bumblebee and I continue to work on our murder investigation. Y- you've got to be kidding me. No. We're trying to solve the murder of the Golden Neal. It's important. As we speak, I'm... <laughs> Oh, oh, no, no, don't, don't, it's, it's, all right, pull yourself together. Uh, I, I thought, I, I thought, I thought. Okay, um, there, 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 there's no need to cry, she was a member of our team, but. No, it's, it's not that, it's. If you're a super genius, move at super speed, and can be in two places at once, what good am I? I thought at least I could do something original. Oh god! <laughs> no, that that's that that's not true. You're a you're a valuable member of the team. <laughs> really? Yes. You're just saying that. No, I'm not. You you think I add something to the team? Of course. Well, what? Well. You have Moxie, and you seem to make Peas Blossom very happy. (laughs) Of course, you've saved the lives of numerous members of the Guard on countless occasions, which in a ripple effect saves the lives of thousands, no, millions of people. I think all of those people would agree that you're an invaluable addition to the team. I'm useless. I remember once during the Jovian Gaslord invasion, we were the only one who could hold her breath for five minutes. If not for that, the Gaslords would likely have enslaved all of mankind. So in that one instance, you could have said to have saved every person on the planet. I'm sorry. You're you're nice to say all those things. You're you're a good man. You you can go back to your experiments. I'll I'll be all right. Ah, yes. Thank you for that. But something, something tells me that's not all that's bothering you. No, it's it's nothing. It's just personal stuff. You don't want to hear about that. No, I I, I really do. Well, well it's peace, Blossom. Whenever the two of us are together, oh, she insists that I use my powers, and she won't let it go. She practically insists, which at first didn't make me upset because, well, it was my idea at first. I was the one who suggested it. I mean, it was, you know, good. Fine, yes. But now, what if it's the only reason she likes me? Because I'm two girls instead of one. What if it's just, you know, an efficient way to quench her appetites? (laughs) Well, think about it logically. That can't be true. No. If she was using you to quench her appetites, as you said, then why would she want to be with Bumblebee as well? Obviously, you're not quenching her appetites. Oh, God! 
no, no, no. Just think it through. If you're not satisfying her in every way, then what reason would she have to continue being with you? She must like you for some other reason. Do you see? And perhaps, um, perhaps I'm not the best person to discuss your personal problems with it. Would you like me to send Bumblebee up to speak with you? I'm sure she could. No, no. I'm, I'm not in the mood. Crying gives me a headache. I just... I'm sorry to burden you with all this. I just need to get my mind off things, I think. That sounds like a good idea. Why don't you... Why don't you tell me about your uh, investigation? Ah, well, we've confirmed the cause of death is blunt trauma caused by being bludgeoned by the golden idol that gave her her powers, and now we've calculated from the angle of impact and the blood pattern that the killer was approximately five foot nine inches tall. In addition, Neil appears to have been standing in front of and looking into a mirror at the time of her death, which suggests that she knew the killer and was unworried about their approach. So we've been running any of her known associates who are about five foot nine. <laughs> Any leads? So far, we've only had one direct match, Officer Tom Kitsune, but he was in the precinct house surrounded by witnesses. <laughs> it's weird. A, a superhero gets killed. You think it has to be a supervillain who did it, not just some random friend of theirs. To be fair, she didn't actually seem to have friends. That's why we're out of people to run. I did check the heights of all known villains, just in case nothing wrong with being thorough, but no, the only height matches she would have seen coming. True. They'd have to have been invisible or something. Er, yes, I suppose that would work. Hang on, let me... No, no villains with that ability match the height. I mean, the creationist might be able to make a device to render himself invisible, but he's almost 6'5". Tangent could pull it off, but he's far too short and in prison. Suspiria could, but she's only... She wears heels. Pardon? She always wears heels, a few inches at least. It's uh, it's part of her costume. Does her height factor those in? No, it, no. They'd broken before she was taken in for her mugshot. Oh my god, I think that's it. I have to tell Bumblebee it was Suspiria. Suspiria killed the golden eel! Hello there, binary girl. I'm here to pick up our sleeping friend over there and bring him to the powerhouse. How are things? Oh, uh, Argus. Hey, uh, Dr. Fast just figured out Suspiria killed the golden eel. Yes, I saw. I was watching, checking in on Illusionist here. Sorry about your troubles with Peas Blossom, by the way. Oh, uh, you saw that too. It's nothing to be embarrassed about. All couples have their troubles. Just the other day, Captain Fantasy and I had a huge brawl over hogging all the hot water, but actually, I have some advice for you. You. Uh, what's that? If you're feeling mistreated, just lay down the law. Next time you're together, just flat out refuse to use your powers. There's no need for a big fight or a huge discussion explaining this or that. If she really cares about you, she'll be with you for you, not your powers. You really think so? Absolutely. Just say you're not splitting and it's that simple. She'll probably surprise you with her reaction. Whew. Maybe I will. I hope I will. Well, I guess we should wake up Sleeping Beauty. Hang on, we've, we've got, got one. Where the supervillain Suspiria has appeared, hovering over Times Square in what appears to be a flying Viking ship. Whoa, speak of the devil ass. That's a coincidence. It sure is. Attention, Earth Guard. The dastardly seductress Suspiria is running amok in Times Square. We need all available heroes on site ASAP. Argus out. Dastardly seductress? She's comely. Let's get out of here. Okay. Why? Guard Duty by Jordan D. White. As the narrator, Lynn Nelson as Binary Girl, Daniel Schwartz as Dr. Fast, Charles Berman as The Argus, Patrick Guinan as The Illusionist, 
and Frank Allen as the newscaster. With theme song by Michael D. Mikowski. All right, that was Guard Duty. Hopefully everybody dug that. All right, so uh, so how's it going on the computer, Frank? Not bad, not bad. I uh, The websites are really big, I've noticed, so they're loading a little slowly, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's coming. It's happening. You typed in you typed in laptop into the search engine? No, I'm, I'm still, right now I'm still loading the search engine, but uh, I will when I get there. Right, okay. You keep us posted on that. Of course. Speaking of Rory, Rory, uh, it's time for your section of the show, correct? Yes, that it is. More extra historical readings, of course. And again, if you enjoy them, please, money to me. It would be appreciated. Thank you very much. This is This Day in History, and where are they now in history? Hello, you're listening to WHRW Binghamton. Welcome to This Day in History. My name is Rory Sinjin. On October 12, 1960, in one of the most surreal moments of the history of the Cold War, Russian leader Nikita Khrushchev removes his shoe and pounds a table with it in protest against a speech critical of Soviet policy in Eastern Europe. Let's listen. I do not approve of these actions. That is it. I've had enough of this UN meeting. I'm going to dig to the other end of the world, to Mother Russia. Um, hey, hey, Boutros, Boutros. Do you think we should tell him that if he digs down too far without telling anybody, he'll hit a pipeline and kill us all? Although, historically, I am not the General Secretary of the United Nations yet. I still think that it may be a poor idea to dig through the ground. Yeah, I think so. But it's going to be kind of funny to watch Nikita Khrushchev get his. True. Nikita Khrushchev, here is a shuffle. Thank you, brother. Yeah, I'll be watching this from outside. And when uh, Khrushchev hit a gas line, the entire UN exploded. Had he called the gas company to check if it was all right to dig, we would not be in complete anarchy to this day. This is This Day in History on WHRW, a Binghamton. But hold that shoe. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. And you're probably wondering what I mean by the world being in complete anarchy. Well, it's something like this. Which isn't very pleasant at all. That's why you should always inform the proper authorities when you're going to dig down into the ground. Or else this could happen to you. My name's Roy Sinjin and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Now, you barely even said anything in that Where Are They Now in History. That was a total uh, 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 pointless uh, thing. It, it was lame. I mean, how lazy are you? How lazy am I? Uh, how that's your answer to that is how lazy am I? right you didn't even have to think about anything excuse you I actually did very much so that is what it sounds like in another world and what I had to do was try to recreate what it sounds like in another world by picking out specific sounds putting them together in a certain way those are the actual events of another actual world they happened exactly in that sonic way yeah but that's ridiculous if you had if you moved one of those sound effects to a different place in that thing there would be a world like that too wouldn't there well yes but I wouldn't have ended up with that exact world that I ended up with then, would I? No, but it would have been... What's the difference? It would have been essentially... How... In what substantial way would it have been different? Would it have changed the point of the thing? No. There still would have been a bunch of loud noises and blah, 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 blah. What if I hadn't put loud noises? But you... No, but you did put loud noises. You, you just... There was no intellectual point being made by that. You were talking 
nonsense, and then you threw a bunch of nonsense together, and then you went, oh, that's nonsense. Well, no, I didn't say that it was nonsense. You said it was chaos or anarchy or whatever, but the point is, it, it was dumb. Uh, all right, Frank, all right. Well, how's your search going? It's good. Yahoo's almost loaded, so... Okay, good. Um, anyway, all right, well, we don't have time to wait for it, and we're going to keep going through the show. So, um, next up is, of course, uh, your section, I think, Frank, right? Oh, no, yeah, uh, that's very true. Uh, Tractor Fiction is up next. We talk a lot about the Mormons in this one. Uh, Mormonism is is a little weird, so I don't know uh, if people know much about it, but uh, this is not going to tell you that much about it, really, because this is going to tell you what Jack Chick thinks about it. So, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of, I'm not that into either Jack Chick or Mormonism, I'll be honest with you, you know, to be totally frank. Well, you are always frank. Can't you, Frank? Uh, okay, thanks. But uh, so it's kind of like a double whammy because it's making fun of Jack Chick, but he's making fun of Mormons. It's it's so it's kind of a, a double whammy. I guess. All right. Well, let's listen to this double whammy: the visitors on Tractor Fiction. Welcome to Tractor Fiction. This is Frank Allen here on WHRW Binghamton. As always, uh, as always, we do uh, enact a tract of uh, those type made by Jack Chick, a little religious tract, uh, and then we uh, do a little debate on the, vo- uh, the veracity of that tract. This tract that we're doing today is called The Visitors and deals with a slightly uh, less common religion. Uh, let's enjoy. Once upon a time... In the house just like that house over there. See it? That's the one. Janice was visiting her Aunt Fran for the last time before going on a long voyage. Your mother is crazy letting you go to Africa as a nurse. Whoa, please, no fights, Aunt Fran. I just came by for a visit. Let's be friends. Okay, it's your life. I won't say any more. But your mother will be sorry. Mark my words. Has anything interesting happened that I can tell Mom about? Well, yes. I've met the most wonderful people. In fact, I want you to meet them. I'd love to, Aunt Fran. When I was having trouble, they helped me when no one else cared. And they pay me visits. At last, I have some real friends. At that moment, the doorbell rang. Outside, Fran's two friends, Elder Tanner and Elder Grant, stood patiently waiting in their starched white shirts, little black backpacks slung over their shoulders. I bet she'll be ready for a baptism commitment tonight. They're right on time. They always keep their promises. Not like other people I know. I'll go get the door. I'm sure you're going to enjoy this. Good evening, Mrs. Palmer. It's so nice to see you again. Hello, elders. Please come in. This is my little niece, Janice. I'm sure she'd like to hear what you have to say. She's going to be a missionary, too. They're Mormons, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Mrs. Palmer, we went through the flip chart presentation on our last visit. Have you had a chance to read the Book of Mormon that we left you? Yes, I liked it, and prayed like you asked me to. And I felt that burning in the bosom you told me about. Aunt Fran, you do believe the Bible is the Word of God, don't you? Absolutely. I learned that in Sunday school. I've talked to Mormons before, so while you're here, may I ask you gentlemen a few questions? Oh, we'll be happy to answer your questions. Don't you teach that God was once a man? Well, uh, yes. Brigham Young said, If our Father and God should be disposed to walk through these aisles, we should not know him from one of the congregation. You would see a man, and that is all you would know about him. But the Bible says, God is a spirit. 
I know you don't teach polygamy anymore, but don't you believe that God the Father has many wives? Janice, that's a terrible question. They wouldn't believe a thing like that. It's true. This is what the Latter-day Apostles have revealed to us. And you believe God the Father is now on a planet near the star Kolob with his wives having spiritual children? Well, uh, yes. Ouch. The Bible says, Our Father which art in heaven. You've got to be kidding. No, no, it's true, Mrs. Palma. Because God revealed it through his prophets. Doesn't your church teach that Satan and Jesus are spirit brothers? Yes, our prophet, President Kimball, taught that. Strike three. The Bible says that Jesus is God, the creator of everything in heaven and earth, including Lucifer. Could you tell us about the war in heaven? Oh, yes, that's when uh, Jesus and Lucifer approach God with their plan of salvation. Don't you believe that there were many gods present? Yes, Joseph Smith called it the Council of Gods. Bam! Over four. The Bible says, I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. <laughs> Lucifer's plan was to make the people worship God. But Jesus' plan was to show the people how to worship God. Lucifer's plan was rejected, and Jesus' plan was accepted. So you believe that Jesus is the Savior only because his plan was accepted? That's true. What am I getting into? I thought Jesus created the universe. You see, Lucifer became Satan when he rebelled and was thrown out of heaven with a third of the spirits. They were sent to this planet. This is where demons come from. What happened to the other two-thirds of the spirits? Well, one-third are faithful, and they stayed with Jesus in the battle. The other third, they didn't fight as valiantly. Where did all these spirits come from, and where are they now? They were the spirit children, born to God the Father and his wives. The ones who were faithful were born as babies with white skin, and the spirits who didn't fight valiantly during the battle in heaven are the babies with black skin. What a terrible thing to say. If I were black and found out about this, I'd be outraged. I know that's not in the Bible. Isn't it true you both believe you'll become gods with a planet of your own? Well, yeah. If we're obedient to the laws and ordinance of the gospel, well... You see, as man is, God once was, and as God is, man may become. When you gentlemen are married, are you planning on having large families? Yes, because where God is, there are many spirits waiting for human tabernacles, and each child will become a home for one of these spirits. The Journal of Discourses shows that Mormons once taught that Jesus had many wives, two sisters of Lazarus, and Mary Magdalene. Oh, that's terrible! I can't believe what I'm hearing! Elder, you don't believe that, do you? Well, we believe that Jesus couldn't become a god unless he was married. Isn't that right, Elder Grant? Yes, that's right. Whoops. The Bible says Jesus Christ the same yesterday and today and forever. The argument could be made that that quote strongly implies that he has always been god. I understand Joseph Smith's family was deeply involved in the occult. Joseph Smith was arrested in 1826 for the occult practice called glass-looking. He claimed that for a price he could find buried treasure by looking through his magic peepstone. Also, when Joseph Smith was killed, he was carrying an occult talisman of Jupiter in his pocket. We all know about Jupiter being a false god and an idol. The Bible says that serving idols is demon worship. Joseph Smith and his brother Hiram were Masons. In fact, Joseph Smith jumped from a first degree to a sublime degree Mason in only one day. This explains why Masonic symbols are on the walls of Mormon temples, and also on the undergarments worn by the Mormons who have gone through the temple, where they learn their secret handshakes, their blood oaths, and their secret names which they need to get into heaven. Aunt Fran, I've studied the history and the doctrine of Mormonism, and I can tell you for a fact that it is nothing but a modern-day form of Baal worship. I don't understand. It's a mixture of the Babylonian and Jewish religions, masonry, and Catholic tradition. They claim apostolic authority, just like the Vatican. 
They even have 12 apostles in Salt Lake City, Utah. Oh, and Joseph Smith says you are both imposters. He said if anyone teaches doctrine contrary to the Book of Mormon, mark him as an imposter. You said God was once a man who progressed to become one of many gods. But the Book of Mormon says that there is only one God, and he is unchanging. You poor Mormons have been betrayed by your own false prophets. Elder Tanner, wouldn't you like to cut through all this unscriptural nonsense and get to know the real Jesus of the Bible? Who loved you enough to die for your sins? Um, yes. Um, no, you don't. Come on. We're leaving. Elder Grant shoved Elder Tanner out of the house as quickly as possible. How could you be so stupid, Elder? But I'm confused. I, I think she was right. I mean, nothing makes sense anymore. God help me. You'll ah! need help when the mission president finds out you're really in trouble this time, Bruce. He'll probably recommend you to be shipped to Timbuktu. I better report this guy before he goes to the mission president himself. Oh, Janice, I'm so glad you were here. I was so close to making a horrible decision. The Lord timed it just right, Aunt Fran. Isn't it time you made the right decision? You know Jesus shed his precious blood on the cross for your sins. You've put it off too long already, Aunt Fran. Dear Lord Jesus, please forgive me. I know I'm a sinner. I want to turn from sin. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, as my personal Savior. I want you as Lord of my life. Oh, Janice, I'm saved. I thank God you came when you did. Me too, Aunt Fran. Me too. Um, and that's the tract, uh... The Visitors, obviously about uh, the Mormon faith. Uh, we do have two wonderfully trained experts uh, for this debate, and uh, I'm going to introduce you to them now, and we will decide whether or not this tract is, in fact, true. Uh, debater number one, can you please introduce yourself? Yes, uh, my name is Vernon Jones, Dr. Vernon Jones. Nice to meet you, Dr. Jones. Uh, and debater number two. Hello, my name is Mrs. Lagasse. I am wife of famous chef Emma Lagasse. Oh, uh, it's a pleasant uh, experience to have you here. Um, all right, uh, as I'm sure everybody knows, uh, Dr. Oh, gosh, I just forgot your name. Doctor? Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones believes this tract is 100% true. Yes. And uh, Ms. Mrs. Lagasse is uh, saying here that this is false. So, as always, we let the person who says it's false go first. Ms. Lagasse, tell us why uh, this tract is not true. Well, mostly because, um, you... Copyright infringements. I'm sorry? Copyright infringements. The in phrase what way? BAM was used in this tract, and as we all know, my husband has a monopoly on that word, so clearly it's false. I have to object to this point. The word BAM was not used in the tracts. Well, BAL was used in the tract, well, not BAM. No, 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 the word BAM was used. I specifically remember it. The, the narrator said the word BAM. Oh, the word BAM was used uh, by the narrator to indicate. The immense wrongness of one of the Mormons. Well, I think that was in fair uh, use because uh, the word BAM constitutes a fair use to indicate the badness. Emerald Lagasse, I watch his program frequently, and oh, he says wonderful. he says BAM in order to indicate how, how bad the food would have been if he had not made it himself. You see... Blasphemy! I, well, I this think... This man is blaspheming on your no, show. No, no. If, if, if somebody else apart from Emerald had made the food, it would be bam, <gasps> bad. Oh, okay. How I, no, can you say No, no, things? hold on, hold on. What he's saying is, if, if your husband, he's going, bam, I'm great. Anybody else who makes this dish is terrible. Bam, away spirits of other chefs. Exactly. Oh, all right. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I misunderstood. Yes. Um, sorry. So, 
So I think we're all in agreement that his food is probably good. It's delicious. I expect probably. Yeah. Oh, it looks like delicious. It does. I'd love to. Thank you. Well, that's, we're making uh, friends here, but uh, okay. Well, is there anything else about the track that you thought was untrue? How about the stuff about uh, Mormons? No. no? I, I don't know what Mormons are. Mormon, uh, did you listen to the track? No. Oh. I, I was so distraught. All right. Well, how about this? I'll explain a little bit of the Mormon belief, and you can tell me what you think. They believe that if you're really good, you'll get your own planet to be God on. I want a planet. Do you believe that? I don't know. I- is it true? It's in the Book of Mormon. <laughs> yes. Well, tell tell her if it's true. Yes, it's true. If you look in the Book of Mormon, you'll find the details of how you get your own planet. It's a great deal. I think you'll want one, too. I have mine coming, and I'm going to name it Jupiter 2. That's a bit unoriginal, don't you think? No. It's it's an homage. Jupiter uh, but, but number unoriginal. 2 or T-O-O? T-O-O-O. Oh, three O's. Yes, it's that's an a, homage. A, it's an homage to another planet called Jupiter Two with two O's. Oh, I see. Uh, we do have an expert here uh, who does want to say a few words about this. Oh, uh, be my guest. Hello. Hi there. Hi, my name is Marianne. Hi, uh, and you are an expert, of course. I'm an expert in both etymology and astro- astronomy. Excuse me. Etymology and astronomy. Yes, I have nice. two two points. I'm here to support. Uh, Dr. Jones here. Uh, thank you. Um, one point is that the word BAM has actually been used prior to Emerald's existence. In fact, the people who really? first coined the phrase were the Flintstones with BAM, BAM, twice. No, that sounds pretty different. No, it's it's the same word, just twice. Did Emerald coin the phrase broccoli? I've heard him use that in reference to food. Oh, yes, yes, it? that was his. Okay. Okay. Um, the, the other point that oh. I would like to make as an astronomy expert um, is that there are, in fact, planets in the sky, in the solar system, with Mormon names on them, elders' names on them, waiting for them. Oh, they're, oh, they're like reserved? They're reserved there. For- they're there. As soon as you become a Mormon, and if you stay a Mormon for the entirety of your life... When you die, you inherit that planet. Which one? waiting for you. Which planets are reserved? They're not in our solar system. Well, Jared is one. Jar- Jared is reserved? That's the one next to Jupiter 2. Oh, okay. Now, here's the thing about this whole Jupiter thing. I think we all know that Jupiter is a false idol. Yes, he is. Uh, but we're, we're referring to different Jupiters. Um, so the planet Jupiter is not a false planet idol? Right. Uh, now, do you, you're aware Baal is, also, is, is in the category with the god Jupiter, but when we talk about that Jupiter, we're talking about Zeus. Um, you, you are aware of Brecht wrote about Baal. Yes, I've, I've he, read that. He wrote about, uh, he wrote about Zeus too, about a, a parliamentarian who, who wants, uh, to summon the Greek gods. It's called the Zeus Tory. Um, now these gods are not a true revelation of Jesus Christ. I named Jupiter 2 in homage to the planet, which is a large gaseous ball circling around. It's not a ball, by the way. Not a, a ball. ball. A B-O-E-L-L. B-O-B-A-L-L. Thank you. Well done. Uh, that circles around the sun. I'm sorry, I do have a question. What are you a doctor of? Uh, that's a good question. I'm actually a doctor of pediatric medicine. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, do you okay? Well, that's good, um, <laughs> Ms. Lagasse. What do you What do you think of what he's telling us about Jupiter and balls? Um, do Do you have a twelve step program to become a Mormon? Yeah, well, not to become a Mormon. To become a pediatric she, doctor. No, she mentioned you have to spend your entire life, you know, being a Mormon, and then you get your planet. But can't Can't I just you know do it in a month or something? Get it all. What, done what with do and move you want? Something else. What fine. do you want to do in a month? I, I want. I want to. Get to my own planet. She wants to earn the planet. Oh, right off. Right. Uh, as long as you're basically a Mormon before you die, you get the planet. Oh, oh so, so like you could so do 
You can put procrastinate if you want. Oh, wonderful. Jolly good. But you have to make sure you... I mean, for example, you you are kind of a robust woman, I'm assuming, from your husband's food. Oh, yes. You might not want to press your luck. Mm, yeah, but I, see, that's, I still think that, you know, the 12-step program would be easy because then I could get it all done with and uh, over I'm and sorry. wouldn't what is have the, to worry I, about I, when I die. The sooner the better is our philosophy but because... The, but do how long do I have to stay a Mormon before oh, I get- All of it. You have to be a Mormon when you die. You stick to oh. it. You stick to it. No, wait, hold on. You're supposed to believe this is incorrect. I'm sorry. Wouldn't I want, that help I want you? to plan it. No, no, no. Look. I mean, of course, the tract is completely false because my husband owns the copyright no, I don't know to if he the does. word bat. He does. All right. Well, let me, Go let me, on the internet. All right, hold on. Let, says. Me, let me check one of these other... Let me, let me look at one of the other special beliefs. For example, I think it says something about the Mormons have to wear special underpants with special symbols on them. What do you think of that? Oh, my, my husband wears specially embroidered underpants. Are you already a Mormon? No, no, I, I embroider his initials into them. Oh, that's different. No, these are like special... I don't know. What are they? Why would he the, want underpants that I haven't embroidered for him? They're a certain kind of underwear. Um, most people can't see your underwear. The, the people who can't see it, you explain. Uh, I hope they understand. Now, wait, hold on. It's probably not proper for people to see your underwear. Is that correct? I mean, certain people, your wives can see it. Uh, your wives. Oh, that's the other thing. Mormons believe you can have more than one wife. But why would you want more than one wife? I think, well... The, the more the merrier. What, that's what the hired help is for. You can marry the hired help. Yes, then they were no. your wife. Then you don't have then to pay have, them anymore. Then, more legal issues. You're allowed to do that in Mormons. Yes, Mormons. In fact, you're encouraged, I believe. Yeah, it, it's a lot of fun. Yes, but what happens when you get divorced and you have to pay child support to You don't get divorced, you just find a new wife and leave the other one alone. Well, that's silly. She'll starve to death. Well, not if she's married to Emerald. Uh, she'll find a way to eat, probably. No, 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 no. That, that's the thing. If, if you know, he found well, another wife, he'd stop feeding No, me. I've not heard of any Mormon wives starving to death lately. Can he only make one plate of food at a time or what? I mean, I... Yes. I'm assuming he could make more than that. Am I wrong? No. No. If you want more than one page of food at a time, you have to go to his restaurants. That's not the way TV chefs Can't train, he probably. Can't kick it up a notch and cook a little bit more? I'm, I'm going to have to sue you for that I, I'm just He's the one who would be doing it. I would just be suggesting it to him. No? <laughs> no! Can't be done. No! All right, well, I think it's about time to, to get to... Uh, unless we have any more experts? All more right. experts? No, <laughs> I don't think so. It's time, unfortunately, to get to the closing arguments. Uh, Miss Emerald Lagasse. Mrs. Mrs. Oh, gosh. Married to Emerald Lagasse, go. Thank you. All I have to say is this tract is absolutely false based on the fact that they stole the word BAM from my husband. How do you know that they haven't stolen every other idea in the entire tract from dozens of other people and just smushed it all together in well, one giant conglomeration? So wait, are you implying that the BAM that they stole from your husband was not true? Oh, it is, and all the other things may be true, but so then taken out right. of context, they make up this tract, which is a story, which is completely false. Basically, the tract has two sources. Uh, they are Emerald Legacy and God. Uh, the BAM comes from Emerald, and the difference comes from God. Uh, and uh, Mormons, we speak with God frequently, and I don't think he minds. He doesn't mind that you cribbed his notes? No. So uh, no, Joseph Smith did that. Uh, and, uh, I think God told it directly to him. Well, that does sound pretty compelling. Uh, let me, uh, let me consider this very thoroughly. It's very interesting. Um, here's the thing. As much as I, as much as that, you know, this God thing sounds right, copyright is pretty serious. So if they took a BAM, 
I don't know. It's probably not true. I, more than likely, I feel. I guess I kind of feel that anybody who says Bam that's not Emerald is lying. God is in it. the public domain. I don't understand. No, God. If God says Bam, he's lying. That's, oh. all, that's all there is to it. Uh, so you did win. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Um, can I come over for dinner still? Oh, of course. Thank I, you. I, I'll see you there. Oh, yeah, we'll both go. It'll be very nice. Um, thank you for. This has been a very civil episode of Tractor Fiction. We've all made friends, and we're going to go. Eat. Uh, only one of us can eat at a time. Unfortunately, you can only make a plate at a time. But well, it only takes a half hour for each plate, though. There we go. It will be there uh, two hours. It'll be nice. Uh, thank you for listening to Tractor Fiction. I'm Frank Allen. Good night. That episode of Tractor Fiction featured the voice talents of Frank Allen, Charles Berman, Guinevere Eckert, Lynn Nelson, Sam Thomason, Jacob Thompson, and Jordan D. White. Thank you very much, Rory. Thank you very much, Rory. So thank you for that, Frank. That was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully everybody dug it. Yeah, I know. I hope so. So how's it going online? Well, I I am online again, so you know, that's good. But I had, to, I had to re-sign on because Rory picked up the phone. So. Well, Rory, why did you pick up the phone? I was going to make a phone call. I, 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 who, who uses dial-up anyway? You know, this nonsense. It's crazy. Uh, look, I, but you know I'm on the computer. Obviously, I'm dialing up. No, it's not obvious. Nobody uses dial-up. Dial-up is crazy. The people use Wi-Fi now. Well, I don't know what that means, but that's fine. I'm going to find out about this laptop thing. Just give me some more time. <sighs> okay, fine. Um, so, Scapey, it's time for Scapey Stories. Do you want to tell us about that? Oh, yeah. I totally, totally. Uh, Scapey Stories is a show where I tell scary stories to people and we are doing something really cool where I'm telling the reanimator to people. It was broken into like six parts and I'm telling it to people. And so this time I'm going to be telling it part four. So you will hopefully get a kick out of it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully everybody will get a kick out of it. That's an interesting way to put it. Um, all right, well, let's get right to that. Scooby Stories from a cat and a dog. Hello and welcome to Scapey Stories from a Cat in the Dark. My name is Jordan D. White and I am here to introduce my good friend and, in a way, my son, Scape White the Cat. Scape! Hey everybody! Don't get ready to be scared because this is going to be a real scary one. This one has a really good twist, so get ready. Right, it does. It does have a twist. Um, so, what we're telling today is part four of Herbert West Reanimator, if you recall. We do have with us the inner psyche of Ptolemy to tell what happened on the previous episode of Herbert West Reanimator. So let me turn it over to Ptolemy here. Um, long story, psychic connection. Point is, let's let him tell us what happened. Once upon a time, there was a man named Herbert West. He was a reanimator, and he's not the narrator of the story. There's another narrator of the story, actually, who is telling the story about his friend Herbert West, reanimator. And Herbert West apparently shoots guns six times, which is highly unusual. So he was obsessed with bringing the dead back to life from death, and perhaps someday he will bring dogs back to life. That dead dogs, that is. No, he won't. Well, he might. He never knew. Um, so he has these experiments where he finds fresh dead bodies, and he sticks a needle in them with some sort of juice, apparently, and it brings them back to life. Or maybe it doesn't bring them back to life. He tries to bring them back to life. And the thing is, uh, uh, sometimes it takes longer than he thinks, so the thing ends up coming back to life later, the thing being dead body. For instance, the, the freshest one he had gotten was a, a, a fighter, a boxer, who had died, and he you know, put the juice in and it didn't seem to come back, but it did come back and apparently ate a child. 
and then he had to shoot it six times. That's that's where the, the gun shooting thing comes in. And again, you say that he might not bring dogs back to life, but he might bring dogs back to life, and that is what I'm really holding out hope for. No, there's not any dogs. There's no dogs in this story. Can we get over the dogs? I, I don't think I will ever get over the dogs. I don't think I will ever get over having killed. There's no one. Dad, can we get him out of here? Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Tommy. I'm sorry. We're just going to have to let you go. Okay, okay, okay. Goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. It's good to have you. Um, so, in honor of the anniversary of uh, Khrushchev banging his shoe, we do have our good Russian friend, Dr. Nektori Stelov. Dr. Stelov. Hello, everyone. It is good to be here. I am a very big fan of science, so it is good to hear about Reanimator because uh, my understanding is he's a doctor, and I am a doctor, so perhaps uh, I can learn things from Dr. Dr. Herbert West. Well, we'll see. Are you ready for the story now? I'm going to start. Okay, go ahead. Herbert West, Reanimator by H.P. Lovecraft. Part 4, The Scream of the Dead. Okay, so like once upon a time, hearing the scream of a dead man uh, scares me because uh, Herbert West... Now, I know you're probably thinking, well, you were scared of a dead guy screaming. That's understandable because dead guy shouldn't be screaming. That's how it... No, that wasn't a big deal. Because I've heard lots of dead guys scream, basically. No, I was I was scared because of something else. So, you see. So, Red Photography said, yeah, I was like... A friend of Herbert West. Herbert West was a dude. I was his assistant. And he was obsessed with trying to bring dead guys back to life. And that's cool. And that, in order to do that, he had to find fresh dead bodies. And that's cool. That's why we had a house near the cemetery. It's okay. It's all good. So far, though, we had not ever had true success. Because it was like, one time, we put it in, the juice in. And the guy was like, Aah! And one time, we put it in. And he tried to kill us. And one time, you know. And one time, the guy didn't. Halsey had to get put into a mental hospital because after he was dead, so. Mm. But we really wanted it to work totally, so the dude was just like, oh, thanks for saving me. I'll be on my way. That's what we ideally wanted. That is understandable. In all of my practice of science, I am able to only find a few ways to bring something back from the dead, and mostly it is not with juice. Well, I say juice, but I mean like, you know. A shot. You're shooting dead people? No, no, no. Like a, like a needle. It would be very needle to bring dead people back to life. No, and like a... I'm going to give you a shot with a needle. Oh, like an injection. Yes, that's what it is. Yes, injection. So he's like, I got injection. Anyway, look, we started doing this in medical school and, you know, like I said, all different results, including that boxer who ate a kid and he had to shoot him and that's, you know, all sorts of stuff. So it never really worked out for us. But... It was in July of 1910, I think, when we first started to really get a bit of luck with the specimens. So what happened was, I was away in Illinois visiting my family, okay? You're from Illinois? I thought you were from Binghamton. Well, yeah, in real life, but I also don't know who my family is. My family just lives with me. So then what were you doing in Illinois? No, it's... Nobody understands stories. It was a story. The character of me. Is in Illinois, visiting family. But when I got back to Bolton, where we lived, with her, me and Herbert West, he was like, I am happy. And I was like, hey, what's up? And he was like, dude, I got us the best body. Here's what I did. So, um, this is Herbert West talking. So I totally invented this, like, super awesome embalming fluid that makes it so that we can totally have a fresh sample. And I was like, well, uh, tell you what, that doesn't make any sense because 
And Bobbing Fluid, you put in the dead guy, that means he's already dead. So, the, if we get the dead guy bef- early enough that the Bobbing Fluid makes him okay, then how are we... Then why don't we just bring him back then? We're, like, how... You know what I'm saying? Like, it can't make him any fresher. And he was like, yeah, yeah, uh, don't worry about it. Like, I've just counted on fate. And I was like, okay. And he was like, well, don't worry about it because, like I said, I've already got the body. And I've been saving it with the special embalming fluids for when you get back so that once you are back, we could bring it back to life like we always do together. And I was like, oh, okay. How did that happen? And he was like, well, I'll tell you. There was this guy, uh, he was like a healthy looking guy, okay? A well-dressed stranger. And he got off the train in Burton. And he was walking into town. And he stopped at the house. And he was like, hey, uh, which way is it to the factory? I'm just a guy who is hanging out in Burton. Who has no family to speak of. And who nobody is expecting to come to Burton. So nobody knows I'm here. But I was just wondering if you had directions. Uh, and then his heart heart started, like, palpitating because he had a weak heart, it turns out, and he died. And he just died, right? right, Just like that. And I was like, oh, that's crazy, Herbert. And Herbert was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then I just went, sugar, 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 put in the the special embalming fluid right away, and now he's so he's basically, like, he just died. Basically. That's as if he just died. It's very strange that this guy would be saying all these things about not having anybody expecting him. I mean, it's very convenient for Herbert West because then he says that way he will not be able to get in trouble if he if he's found holding this dead body. Oh yeah, I know, I know, totally. I must say it's 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 fortunate that he died too. Like if he had just been like oh, I am I have no friends and no one is expecting me and then he just walked away, I'm sure Herbert West would have been like, "Oh, if only that guy had died, you know?" Well, yeah. Probably, because that's true. But it did die. And I was like, well, Herbert West, here's the thing. If he's got a weak heart, it might screw up the experiment anyway. And Herbert was like, whatever, don't worry about it. It's fine. Don't don't worry about it, okay? I was like, all right. But if he has a weak heart, as you said, that would make the experiment go wrong. He might might not be able to come back to life. Really, anything that kills someone is still going to be a problem when when they come back to life. If he has a weak heart, his heart will be damaged. If if he's, you know, uh, poisoned, he, he would still have poison in his system. If he is stabbed through the heart, he would still have a stab in the heart. How would you be able to bring someone back to life ever? What circumstance would you be able to bring someone back to life in? Uh, well, I, uh, I don't really know. But, look, it's just a, it's a solution that makes it so you come back to life. So, you come back no matter what. Yes, but in what situation would it be good to use it? They will always not be fresh. They will always have a reason to have died. Uh, well, look, that's this guy, Herbert West said, died of heart... We Cart, so but then he said, Don't worry about it. So that does not make any sense. Well, don't, don't worry about it, you don't worry about it too. Just like I won't worry about it, and you don't worry about it, okay? All right, so on July 18th, 1910, okay, Herbert Weiss and I were in the, the, the laboratory doing like a thing, do, 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 do. and there's the body sitting there and I, with the special embalming fluid that he did. And I'm like, Whoa, that body is fresh. Like, are you sure it's dead, Herbert West? Because it looks like not even dead. And Herbert West was like, dude, 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 he's dead. You know he has to be dead before I put the solution in, right? Because remember, solution doesn't work if it's not dead. If there's any bit of aliveness, it doesn't work. And I was like, yeah, that's true, that's true, okay. And he was like, okay, cool, cool, cool. So let me put in the, uh, 
Now I'm going to put in an injection of, like, uh, the stop the embalming fluid potion, okay? <laughs> and so he puts that in. Oh, uh, stop. Actually, that is also a good point. If, if there's embalming fluid put in the body, how will it be able to come back to life? Well, it's a special, first of all, special embalming fluid. And second of all, he's turning, he's using the turn-off embalming fluid thing now. Uh, I do not understand. What In what way does it turn off the embalming fluid? When you put in the embalming fluid, you take out all the blood and things like this. It's a special new kind, okay? Special new kind. It's beyond your ability to fathom the deadness sciences, okay? He's, he's a genius. He invents new stuff that you don't think of. That's the whole point. Well, I do suppose that is the point of being a, a scientist to invent things. If he's studying death and bringing people back to life, he better be inventing new things or else why is it the point? Right, right. So he puts in the embalming off fluid, okay? And uh, I could tell that that Stopping the bone fear didn't work because the body started to twitch a little bit. Right, twitch, twitch. I was like, oh. So it's working. Uh, but that's not the coming back to life through it. And then Herbert was like, oh, uh, hold on. And he puts a pin out over the, the body and he's like, I just got to do this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the body, he puts it over the body's head and the body's like, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle. And uh, after a minute, it stops moving and he's like, okay, we're all good. Uh, let me double check. Just a, just a perfunctory test to see if it's dead. Oh, yeah, it's dead. It's dead. No, I mean, it always was, right? But I just wanted to do the safety, the safeguard. Got to make sure, you know. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. So then he put in the new elixir, the new juice that we had worked all afternoon on because it was like, he was like, we gotta get it exactly right. This is a big deal. I put it in and then I was like, oh gosh, this is gonna work. Now, let me tell you, Herbert West doesn't believe in the soul. And he doesn't believe in heaven and hell. And he doesn't believe in afterlife. He's like, no, this is it. That's why I'm just going to make it so you come back from the dead because there's nothing afterwards. This is very interesting. The flashback has actually been to the afterlife. So I actually believe in the, in the, in the afterlife. Well, yeah, but I prayed a member of the flashback. They're not real. So what? don't worry about it. The point is, Herbert Ross is like, there's no, none of those things. Now, I was kind of like, well, I basically agree that there's no sorry and stuff, but you never know, and I was raised kind of to believe in it, so maybe I'll just check. So I was like, uh, I, will, I will ask this guy when he comes back from the dead, I will be like, so, uh, tell me about it, you know. And uh, so that's what I was thinking. After a few seconds, after we put in the juice, he started twitching. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? I guess it's working. No, but hold on. What, what is about flashback is not real? No, 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 no. Because he was, I'm saying the dead body was coming back from the dead. So that's a big deal. Uh, yes, yes. So he was like moving around and kind of twitching. And, and Herbert West was like nodding like, oh, yes, 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 yes. And all of a sudden he opened his eyes and he seemed to know what was going on. And so I, I leaned over really quick. So I could be like, hey, tell me about everything. What's going on? What's going on? I don't know exactly what I asked him, but I was trying to ask him about right, the other side. And all, all I know for sure is that I ended by saying, where have you been? And he was like, so he moved his lips as though he just was saying, only now. Which I don't know why he said that. But still, I was like, holy crap, we brought this guy back from the dead, and he could basically almost talk. Well, when the flashback comes back from the dead, they can completely talk. Well, again, that's a, a show, so that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about this story. This was in 1910. That was a long time ago. Well, yes, I suppose that is true. It is very true. So I was like, okay, wow, this is amazing. This is amazing. And if I had any doubt that it was totally successful, it went away in the 
check because what happened next was like totally proved that it worked. What happened was, you know, there was the dead guy, but he was not dead anymore because of the juice. And I could see in his eyes that he was conscious and that he he was having the memory of his last seconds on Earth before he died. Like, holy crap. And he jumped up and before he died to be nothing again, a second later, the only thing he yelled out was, Help! Get off of me with that, with that syringe, you crazy bastard! Brr, keep away from me! No needles! And then he died. The end. Oh, that's horrifying. Well, yeah, that's the, that's definitely scary. Herbert West killed that man. Well, well, no, Herbert West brought that guy back to, to the wife. No, but he killed him first. No, he died of heart attack, weak heart. No, Scabby, no. He died, Herbert West did not kill that man until he suffocated him with the pillow in the, in the earlier scene of the story. No, 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 no. He was just doing something with the pillow. Well, yes, what he was doing with the pillow was killing the man. No, 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 no. He, the guy died and he was keeping him alive with embalming. He wasn't keeping him alive. He was keeping him fresh with embalming fluid. No, Skippy, no. Herbert West was lying to you. That that was not true. What do you mean? He took this man and he was keeping him sedated and, and alive in some sort of medically induced coma. And then he suffocated the man so the man died right there in front of you. Then he brought him back to life a moment after he died. Um, I don't think that is the case. I don't think that is the case. No, that is why he said keep away from me with the needle because when the man came to his house and said I have no friends and I have no family, Herbert West came after him with the needle and made him pass out. And that was the last thing he remembered before he was dead. No! No, he said that because needles are scary. That's the scary moral. What? The scary moral is needles are scary. They can poke you. Yes, but the needle is what he uses to bring people back from the dead. So if bringing people back from the dead is a good thing, then the needles are not a bad thing. No, doctor. No, 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 no. You don't understand scary story either. What happened was this guy died of heart, weak heart failure, heart. And then Herbert West brought him back from the dead, period. Oh, I, I really do not think you understood this story. I told the story. I understand the story. I told. How dare you? Uh, I'm not trying to make you upset, but it seems clear to me that that's not the case. Oh, that's totally the case. That's my dad. Dad, what do you think? Did Herbert West kill the guy? Yeah, clearly. Where are you both from? So you both don't understand stories? That doesn't make me any worse. That makes you both any worse. I don't want to hear about this. He killed him because he's a scientist. Yeah, but that's, I think that's the, I mean, he's, he's, he's a scientist, but he's slipping into, like, the dark side. No! He's stripping into the, I'm gonna bring people back from the dead side! That's, that seems relatively accurate. I just don't know that that's necessarily the good side. That is the good side! You're stupid, both of you! Oh, that is not very nice of you to say, Skip. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a guest, and I'm, you know, your father, and you can't talk to me that way either, so I think you should apologize. Well, I think you should apologize first. Hmm. Did you think of that? Well, no, because I don't think we owe you an apology. You disrespect my story. No, we just tried to correct your story. Same thing. All right, Scapey, we're sorry. We're sorry we disrespected your story. Are you speaking for me, then? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. Apology accepted. Did you want to apologize, too? Oh, well, sorry. Okay. Well, I guess accepted as well. Yes. Accepted. All right. Well, thank you for that. Um, and Dr. Stelloff, will you be back next time to uh, tell the story to the next person? Uh, y yes, I suppose so. Yes. But I will probably try to tell it right. Yeah. Tell it right my way. Uh, yes. That's fine. We'll work it out. We'll work it out then. Um, for now, I guess we're just going to say goodbye, right, Skabie? Yes. Come back soon for part five. More needles. Scary.
Well, thank you very much for that, Scapey. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully everybody at home dug that as well. Um, so, Scape, do you want to uh, uh, give us our little farewell song? Not farewell song, but kind of our summary song? Yeah, sure. say uh some of your songs are better than others you know the ones that you're writing down i think are better than the ones that you make up off the top of your head not by a substantial degree <laughs> I, I might agree with you there um <laughs> that's very funny <laughs> no uh, okay no um so uh cast in wax at gmail.com is the address to write to us um we do have some email i've got the email i've got the email i've got it right here what what i i downloaded the email i i knew this was coming so i figured the laptop thing couldn't kind of wait i downloaded the email i've got it and i've got it here oh excellent so you're gonna read the email to us yeah, yeah, yeah. let me let me print it out no what no why are you oh frank No, no, it's good, it's good. All right, here it is. Um, I'll read it. Dear Scapey, attached, please find your grading sheet for your second assignment, Brushing. I look forward to your next assignment, which, to reiterate our class discussion, is a song to be written and composed in a classic 1980s style. Examples include hip-hop, dance, classic rock, and hairband. And is due by the end of October. You may choose to emulate the style of a popular 80s artist if you wish. Please get in touch if you have any questions. See you in class. Kindest regards, WS. And, uh, and here is the, the grading sheet. Uh, uh, that that that, she, that he that the teacher refers to. Assignment two: Your favorite band or song, Mr. Scape White. Grading sheet eight five oh nine. Scapey, what a pleasure it was to listen to your second assignment, brushing in the style of Shonen Knife. This was an ambitious endeavor, and many students would have maintained the style but written the lyrics in their native tongue. I applaud you for writing lyrics in Japanese. You did a fantastic job of staying true to the Shonen Knife style, and I appreciated your kitty 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 meow 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 section. It was a tight composition and an incredibly catchy tune. I had brushing in my head for a week after listening. Fantastic effort, Scapey, and I am proud to give you an A- for this assignment. Please do not forget to submit your lyrics to me for your RIR portfolio. I am very curious about a rough English translation, but I do not want to violate the integrity of the song, so I will leave it up to you whether you want to submit only the Japanese lyrics, or if you also want to submit an English translation. W.S. Well, Scapey, an A-, what do you think about that? Well, I think that everyone agrees that brushing is very good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, that's yeah. We we all think it's very good. So there you go. Uh, so you got another one. Eighties music, eh? What do you think about eighties music? Well, 
I was not alive in the 80s. You were not alive in the 90s. No, no, I wasn't. So you're going to have to do some research, I think. Okay. I can do research. I'm trying to think if any of your actual favorite songs are from the 80s. Um, I think uh, uh, Push It to the Limit is from the 80s. Oh, also, How Soon Is Now by The Smiths. That's one of your favorite songs, isn't it? That's from the 80s. Yeah, no, I really like that song. Yeah, I know you do. I know you that's do. That's the one that comes like, Yes, no, that's that one, yes. Uh, so, that's good. Well, we'll figure something out, and we'll, we'll get you an 80s assignment, right? Maybe not next week, but probably the week after, I think. Okay, I'm fine with that. Cool. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Frank, did you find anything about laptops? No, not not yet, but I, it's going to load. It's loading. Frank, we could probably go to the store and buy you a laptop faster than you could find the information about it. Well, if you're going to buy me a computer, that's fine. No, I'm not going <sighs> to... No. All right. Uh, keep keep looking. Fine. Anyway, uh, thank you everybody for listening. And please, please send in send in donations for the Queen's Institute, please. Right. Sure. If you, I mean, no pressure, obviously. I, you know. But at any rate, thank you for listening to the podcast. That's the important part. Uh, we will be back next week with more stuff. So please check it out. Uh, be seeing you. episode of Cast and Wax. On Epic Echoes, someone seems to be nosing in on my turf. I think our best bet is to make for the equivalent of where Captain Eternity lives in our version of Earth, and hope that's where Captain Momentary lives on Alter Earth. It's this way. He lives in Queens? Well, he once heard that someone who lived forever would make the world's greatest historian. That's terrible! No, he said historian was a bad joke. Oh, sorry. While on Like Daughter, is Pandora uncovering the truth or just more insanity? She knew about the real cask. Real cask? But you said there was no conspiracy. Of course there is! The crazy is the conspiracy! But the question is who made the crazy? God would never make people this insane. I knew there had to be someone behind it. Sounds like more insanity. But we'll also get to some delectable historical facts. Oh, he's, he's so little. He's like a baby. Like a what? sweet little fat baby. And ripped from the day's headlines, more Frank Allen interviews. And it's all coming your way October 19th. And only on Waxwork.com. 
I really thought he said historian there. No, I think that's the point. 